He loves the mental chess match of football. It's not just throwing the football, it's the protection, it's the run checks. That's fun for him. Welcome to Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, with Brian Sexton, John Osher, Ashlyn Sullivan, and J.P. Shadrick. Jaguars Reporters, presented by TIAA Bank, starts right now. Welcome in Jaguars Reporter Podcast. Ashlyn Sullivan, Brian Sexton back here with us. Hello. Hello, John Ozier here. Hello. Hello, JP Shadrick on vacation. Goodbye. That time of year. Goodbye. <laughs> As we all will soon be. Yeah, this is it for us for a couple of years. This is it. This is your last chance to grab the Jaguar content. This is the last podcast for a month. No more drive time. No more happy hour. Do you know no I, Moss. And I, it's a good thing. It I, is. I, I think one of the things. <laughs> Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Do you know? Really I mean, great. I always used to look forward to the start of football season. So you've been gone for two weeks, and I can't say that applies for me. No, I didn't think so. <laughs> it never has, John. You were gone 10 years That's in Indianapolis. Right. You didn't miss me. Um, I, I, I think sometimes the NFL makes a mistake, and they think that it's just content 24-7. It's all people want. Let them, you know, let them miss you for a little while. Let them get hungry for what you're bringing for a little while. Don't keep beating the same storylines into the ground with people. Let them have a break. Yes, and that break is coming shortly. Coaches are out of the building. They have a well-deserved vacation for about the next month, as well as players. And they definitely deserve it, John, because this has been an off-season program where a lot has been expected of them. There has been a ton of change. I think we all can agree a lot has been accomplished, but there is a lot going on on the field this off-season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one reason that – Urban Meyer last week on Wednesday uh, gave the veterans that third mini camp off. I, I, he didn't address this, but I'm assuming that the attendance was so good mm-hmm. for veterans and that they got their work done. I would think if they hadn't gotten their work done, he probably would have worked them that day. So it's a, a signal to the veterans. If you do things right, you'll get your reward. It's the way you ought to do it. They were, uh, they worked and, I didn't expect them not to work. I think it's notice. I think it's notable that they did this under Urban Meyer. It it felt in the last two or three weeks, as it did throughout the whole time, that everybody was on the same page. Everybody gets it. When they come back on July twenty seventh, there's a couple of things. It it feels like they know what's expected, offensively, defensively, off the field culture. To me, that's what the off season's all about more than you know, showing what a guy can do on the field. Mm-hmm. If they're ready to get this thing going on July 27th, then mission accomplished in April, May, and June. Yeah, and we're excited to see the path on because we did, I would say we found out a good amount, and we have some players now that we're going to pay attention to, but Coach Meyer was very clear that every practice there were no winners or losers. We tried. We really did try to find those winners and losers. There were a lot of practices where you couldn't find that. Yeah, and I've said this multiple times. I, I've got to think, and again, I don't think any of us know Urban yet as well as, as as we'd like to. It's been busy having a chance to sit down with him. I've got to think the winners and losers, those not being there during the off season. I don't know if irritated is the right word, but it was <laughs> it it was certainly a uh, a rhythm shock, if you will. Meaning, for 17 years as a head coach, his rhythm has been. As a college head coach, you go out, your guys are hitting, you build up to a spring game, you have competition, you have guys winning jobs. So that's sort of the, 
you know, the mood of the time. He's ready to go out there and see that. And I think in the NFL, even though he knew that wasn't going to be the case, I think to go out to a practice and realize, oh, we're not going to really get a depth chart win out of this. We're not going to find out this about a guy. I'm sure he had to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. And Brian, I will say, um, during uh, OTAs and minicamp, that one of the biggest headlines, we came off the practice field and we started talking about a kicking competition. That's where we were at. Aldrich Rosas and Josh Lamba, we were tallying field goals because yeah. this all of a sudden has become a competition, and, and that was our headline. Yeah, that I already say absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, when we're talking about kicking competitions in <laughs> minicamp, you, you know, you're way off of of uh, the, the the area where most people are excited about. Um, I do think, though, with, with Josh coming off that hip injury, it does create a little bit of a storyline. Uh, not being here for minicamp, um, the one thing that I can say is that there appears – and it's early that the culture change, the the the, the tide shifting, um, is taking place because of the number of veterans who were here, right? And he didn't cut deals with the uh, players' association like a couple of franchises, the Colts most notably did. He did his thing, and he asked the veterans to be here. And by the actions that he took and the words that he spoke, he got things going the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I would say I have a couple of big things. Okay. Uh, one big thing is that I do think the competition kicker is real. Mm-hmm. If you look at Aldrich Rosas in uh, 2018 for Giants, he was an all-pro kicker. I got some questions from Ozone readers. Why in the world would they consider competition for Josh Lambo? Why are they doing this? And the answer is because Rosas is good. So I think there is a thought on their part. Let's not make the mistake of letting – of just assuming that Lambeau's better. Mm-hmm. Let's make him earn it. I think Roses has a stronger leg in terms of, you know, just pure power. And I also, in in prepping for this show, I thought we were going to ask big things, so I came up with one. Okay. Um, the re- Out of all the things that you can find out during a minicamp, the receiving group, it feels to me like timing – and their effort in the offseason has created what I do think can be a special group. Mm-hmm. And the timing, I mean, DJ Chark now in his fourth year, he's ready. This is ready to be his time. LaVisca Chenault, who this regime didn't draft either of these guys. So I'm saying there's some timing involved with those two guys. I think Chenault looks good. I think the key to the group is going to be how Marvin Jones, mm-hmm. in his 11th year, is he still the guy we saw the last couple of years. They all look good on the field. And in minicamp, that matters. So um, keep an eye on the receivers coming to training camp. Well, and we, we said this several times last year, mostly as it relates to the offensive line, but consistent quarterback play gives all of those guys a chance. And we're assuming that we're going to see consistent play from a rookie quarterback. Um, but consistent quarterback play will give each of those guys an opportunity to make more big mm-hmm. plays down the field because – They'll be where they're supposed to be, and then the ball will be there. I mean, right. it, it just wasn't last year. Whether it was Gardner Minshew or Jake Luton, it didn't matter. Or Mike Lennon. The, or Mike Lennon. The quarterback play was so wildly inconsistent that nobody on the offense, offensive line, wide receivers, could count on things being the same play to play. Right. Um, so I agree with you, John. I think you're going to see more of Chark and Chenault and these guys this year than you could in the past. Not that you did, but then you could. 
Mm-hmm. We will note that there is another wide receiver on this team. The Jaguars signed Laquan Treadwell over the weekend, so adding more depth to that wide receiver group that we all expect a lot from. And we talk about... Big guy who can run. Yeah, fast guy. And we know Urban loves fast guys. The consistency at quarterback, it was very optimistic to see that Trevor Lawrence ended the offseason program with what I thought was his best day from what we saw. Especially in the red zone period. We, we overhyped the, the day that he struggled and the timing was off. John, he made progress in two weeks. Notable progress in the red zone. Yeah, and it, it's an unpadded practice, so let's not put him in the hall. But I want to. I was with you, Shalane. <laughs> Honesty. He looked like you expected him to look and made some throws that with a quarterback, if it's going to be special, there has to be some throws where you look at each other on the sidelines and went, wow, did you see that? You know, how did he do that throws uh, in terms of accuracy, in terms of timing? He had two or three within one red zone drill. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means for the big picture. But I know it's better to see it than not to see it. And there was an energy that a quarterback brings. I think Bucky Brooks mentioned this in one of our shows last week. There's an energy when that happens at the quarterback position that feeds off into everything else. And all of a sudden, you see other players walking off the field after practice and sort of mumbling to each other, did you see the quarterback today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that gets everybody on board because everybody, you know, whether they say it publicly or not, they get what that means. Um, it couldn't have been a better way to finish the off season than to have his positive momentum going forward because that lives now for five weeks. When right. they come back, they believe in the kid. Well, and I, you, you can't convince me that he didn't intend for the final practice to be his best. I mean, he was always going to get better and make progress, and I don't know him yet, okay? But from what I have heard of him, about him, from him, I would anticipate that he wanted to leave the practice field with that sort of feeling, showing his teammates he's ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know they're, they're not anointing him the starter yet, even though everyone else sees that. It, it's what coaches do, right? They say, earn it. I can't, I'm not just going to hand you number one, earn it. From that practice, yeah, he's number one. Yeah, and I don't understand that's why, and I get why it's on SportsCenter and it's national news, but when Brian Schottenheimer, passing game corner, went and said, yeah, we don't have a starter yet, what do you expect him to say? Right. And he's not the head coach. Yeah. Trevor's our starter. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and take the headline from Coach Meyer. Yeah. Trevor's our starter. Well, I think Meyer would have said the same thing that day. <laughs> he, he wasn't really asked. Uh, he wasn't really asked the question on Monday, Urban. No or, one asked because everyone knows. Yeah. Right. But had he been asked about uh, the quarterback who, you know, he would have said the exact same thing. I expect sometime in training camp that they'll say that uh, Trevor Lawrence is the starter and that. And that'll be it. And we'll go, you know. But I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea to make all these rookies earn it. That's certainly the culture that Urban came from in college mm-hmm. where, you know, the spring you earn things and, you know, there were ceremonies involved when you were in those things. He wants that to matter and he even wants that to matter to Trevor Lawrence. Well, if you are creating a culture of competition, you can't say it's everyone but him. Right. You have to say everyone's engaged. I mean, if he was Peyton Manning and a 13-year veteran and 10 Pro Bowls, oh, maybe. But he's not. So why not just make it go that way? And plus, if you know anything about the kid, that's, that's the way he is. He, he loves to compete. He wants to compete. So it doesn't bother anybody. And, I, you know, 27, 28 years of doing this, I've never met a coach that says, oh, yeah, he's, he's the guy. You know, to him. Make him earn it.
That's yep. fine. He'll earn it pretty quickly. He is clearly the best quarterback in this universe. In this universe? Well, this universe. Oh, I say, wow. <laughs> Hall of Fame, here we go. I didn't say the universe. <laughs> I said this universe. All right, I like it. All right, let's go to Did You Hear This? Speaking of Brian Schottenheimer and Trevor Lawrence, they're talking about putting in the extra work when Trevor leaves this facility. His ability to come in and learn this system um, has been very impressive. Uh, it's been a lot of long hours. You know, he works his butt off when he leaves the building. He studies. He texts me all the time with questions, which I love. Uh, I mean, it'll be 9.45, 10 o'clock at night, and he'll be like, hey, shoddy, on the backside of this, are we, we alerting that, or how are we handling this in this protection look? Uh, so he, he's just – he's – he loves the mental chess match of football. When you talk to him, he loves that part of it. Um, and it's not just throwing the football. It's the protection. It's the run checks. Like, he, he truly is a, a guy that, that, that that's fun for him. So uh, when you get a guy like that that leaves the building and he's spending hours on his own as a coach, it gets you excited because you know you better be prepared for your next morning's meeting because he's going to be ready to go. I couldn't help but laugh at that, John, when he was talking about Trevor texting him at 945 with questions. One, you love to hear that. that mm-hmm. That's awesome to hear from your rookie quarterback. But talking about how he is amplifying even the coaching staff to be even more prepared for a morning meeting. Yeah, and that's what you want out of the quarterback, especially at this age. I kind of picture Brian Schottenheimer trying to watch Stranger Things at yes. night. Trevor, and, please. Yeah, and, Silence the phone. He's kind of saying, okay, look, we get it. But uh, – Schottenheimer's impressive. I I had him in here uh, last Wednesday for an Ozone podcast that'll run down the road. Um, you know, and his his story of of uh, why he took this job was interesting. It wasn't necessarily just Trevor Lawrence. He likes the fit, um, but certainly there is a once in a lifetime element as a as a passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator to get to work with Trevor Lawrence. I wasn't surprised at all. It's exactly what you want to hear, that the kid is so involved with the playbook that he can't get enough of it at this point. I, um, just because of my tie to Kansas City, I, I follow Brian Schottenheimer since he was a quarterback at Blue Valley High, and then he went to Kansas before transferring to Florida. So I'm impressed with him, just what he's done, the places he's been. It's hard not to when Russell Wilson sings his praises. you know. Mm-hmm. For the, and Russell Wilson was established before Schottenheimer got there. Um, I loved it when he talked, and of course you know my affinity for, for Philip Rivers. Of course. I, I loved it when he talked about you know, seeing qualities in Trevor Lawrence that reminded him of Philip Rivers. Fantastic. <laughs> That's great. I hope he's better than Philip Rivers because he wins some championships, but Philip Rivers is a nice place to start. Yes, it is. High praise. All right, it's time for Everyone Ask. I'm going first with a question. What is a very early on camp battle you will be paying attention to? Well, the quarterback. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I think I want to see, although I think I know how it's going to play out during camp, but I want to watch offensive tackle to see how much Walker Little pushes. I'm going right there, too, yeah. These two guys. I don't think he'll win a job during camp, but my expectation is that at some point during the season, he will either push enough – that there will be an injury somewhere along the offensive line where somebody moves to guard and somehow Walker Little gets into the lineup yeah. and he'll have shown in camp that he's ready for it. it. may even happen sooner than that. But my anticipation is that he will be 
uh, ensconced in the starting lineup before the end of the season. I'm going right there, too. I'm going to go in the offensive line. Could you see Walker Little as the starting left tackle at some point this season and Cam Robinson moving to the right side? I think he's too tall, just my opinion. And I know that um, you've seen taller guards in, in Jacksonville, you know, let alone Jonathan Ogden started his career as a guard before moving outside to tackle. Um, I could see him at tackle and Jawan Taylor inside at right guard. Um, I, I, the offensive line is going to be an interesting – it's going to be really interesting. I mean, Doug Marone, as an offensive line coach, had a lot to say about what the offensive line looked like. Now you've got more players, and, and Ben Barch, I think, might even factor into the competition this year too. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot more players and a lot more guys to create what you want. And um, I wouldn't put it past them to let George Warhop do what he wants as opposed to George Warhop doing what Doug Marone wanted. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And you mentioned the quarterback. We talked at great length about this last week, even on the Frangie show. I will say I will be watching backup quarterback. And Brian, if you would have told me four months ago and you would have asked me, you know, Gardner Minshew, he's going to be the backup quarterback, I would have said, no way, no wow, no how. He's traded by then. This this can't work. But watching him play in offseason programs, I think he blew away C.J. Beathard. And if this can work, if you're judging it just based off football performance, he should be the backup quarterback. Well, look, if you can bring Tim Tebow onto the roster, um, you, you can keep Gardner Minshew, right? I mean, and I say that because – if you don't have a strong quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, you can't bring Tim Tebow in here because then everybody thinks he's going to be a quarterback and not right. a tight end. Um, there's no doubt that Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback and that Gardner Minshew is trying to figure out what his NFL career is going to look like. If he outplays C.J. Beathard, then by all means. And credit to him. Um, you know, He went into this offseason. He could have sulked. He could have forced them to cut him just by his attitude alone. Uh, but apparently he put his nose to the grindstone, realizing – you know, what's in front of him, saw the forest through the trees, if you will, and decided, okay, you know, I can have a long career as a number two. I might not be a number one. Number two makes good money. So let me see if I can go and make something of it. So, yeah, he could be on the roster. The one thing everyone was looking at is the money they paid C.J. Beathard. They gave him more guaranteed money. You don't generally give that to a quarterback that you're going to cut. But if Minshew wins it, there's enough cap room here. They can afford to say, well, that was a mistake. Yeah, I I think – I agree with you on the guaranteed money. It feels like it maybe wasn't enough guaranteed money that if it's clear and obvious that Minshew should be the backup, uh, you know, I don't think it would be so much guaranteed money that they would have to make the decision based on that, if exactly. that makes any sense. So uh, it, would be a, it would be not a uh, – it wouldn't fit what they're preaching – if every player in the locker room is looking at it going, look, Minshew's better than Beathard. And I don't know if that'll happen in training camp or not, but I don't think they would uh, abandon that so early with such an obvious position. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in training camp because I do think it will be an on-field battle Mm -hmm. that's uh, very important. Hence my question, on-field battle. The line of demarcation was the Cincinnati game last year because in the post game Jay Gruden came out and said it. He can't see down the field, right? And that was the problem. He couldn't see down the field, so he was holding the ball too long and taking too many sacks, making too many mistakes with the ball in his hand. So either they have crafted part of the playbook to fit his skills or he has worked somehow 
at finding the passing lanes and stepping into them and seeing better down the field. If he has, there isn't any reason why he couldn't be your backup. We shall see. All right, John, what is your question? My question is, um, what will uh, success look like for this team next year? And we've been through training camp. I mean, I've been through the offseason. So it's at that point we're looking at big picture. Uh, I'm going to assume they don't have to be holding the trophy at the end of the season yeah, for us to like where they are. <laughs> so what does this team need to do for you to feel good about this team whenever the season's over? You know, I hate to admit this. I don't know what they were scoring last year. I forget. I mean, but it was, it was very, very low. I'd like to see them look like a team that can score 26 to 28 points a game. As opposed to, it seems like forever around here, even in 17, they were not a high-scoring team unless the defense was adding points to it. Um, So to me, it'll be averaging 26 to 28 points a game, meaning it's a high-octane offense, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the others stop the run. I mean, if you can stop the run and you can score points, you can win games. I'm going to go wins and losses. I think this team gets to seven wins. Mm -hmm. It's a good year. Coming off a a year where they won one game, if you would have told us that last year, you would have said, sign me up for that. And I know the expectations are much higher than that, as they should be. But if you're progressing in the right direction, and I think there are still some holes on this roster, I know we have questions about, can they stop the run? With what they brought in, you like what they brought in, but can they do it? I still think there are some holes, and I think seven wins is a bit realistic and would be a good year. I think... I agree with you. I think they have made strides toward where they want to be. Uh, and I'll talk about Urban Meyer's approach in the defensive line of wanting to be in the top eight in the league or, or the top quarter. Mm-hmm. They're closer to that. It's tough in the NFL to fill every hole to that degree in one off season because so much of what you have to do is drafting well. And with drafting comes development, and it's hard to develop in one year. So I think they're closer to that. I would see success as 7-10, and but that number I don't care as much about. I want to be sitting here on January 10th knowing that 16 is the guy. Yeah. If you know he's the guy, then it's successful. The Colts in in, in 1998 went 3-13. and But in December – they knew that he was elite. Yeah. They knew he was going to be a guy. So that next off, they knew what they were going. They mm-hmm. knew what they were building around. They what drafted. to pay for. Yeah. Right. What? So that's success to me. Do you know Trevor's the guy? We, we had a, a conversation in one of these podcasts about you know how they would start. And I think I was optimistic and said I could see you know them winning three games in their first five. But then they have that six-game stretch where they're in Seattle and they face the Rams. I mean, it's a brutal six-game stretch. Okay. So let's say you come out of there and you're, you're a couple of games below 500. What you'd like to see is them pick up some steam and win a couple of games down the run, down the, the, the final stretch run mm-hmm. that makes you go, okay, here we go in 2022. Add a few things in the offseason, have another good draft, and here we go. There's nothing more exciting than a team with a young star quarterback ascending as the season ends because the future looks so bright. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, what do you got for us? This moment seems to be the moment, right, for the franchise. I can't remember a time in your time here where there was more anticipation, right, and that it's the quarterback and it's the coach and it's it's all the things that are going on. Um, but take that aside. What position group have you seen out there on the field in minicamp and in, in, um, in the OTAs that made you go, wow, they are markedly better there 
markedly better. And I'll say the defensive line, just the numbers alone. And, and the size of these guys, they're bigger. For the first time since Calais and Malik and Marcel were there, it looks like they've got that caliber of athlete. I don't know if it's that caliber of player, John, but it looks like the defensive line has that caliber of athlete. I'm going to go with, uh, and I agree with you, um, I still wonder, I think they're markedly better. It feels like they have taken a significant step from being, I would say, deficient at the defensive tackle position to being where they're going to be able to go into games expecting to be able to compete. I I think there's still going to be a step later on where they need to get elite, uh, but perhaps something on the roster can be elite. Devon Hamilton's a guy that raises his game. Right, so we haven't seen it yet, and all we've seen are unpadded practices, so it's hard to know. Um, For mine, I will say – well, first I'll take quarterback, but you can't say quarterback because (laughs) that's so obvious. Um, I'll say it in a slightly different way. I'll say receiver, although it's not necessarily personnel that has made them better, but Chenault and Shark on a couple of different instances – both had huge days in minicamp. And Chenault, to me, looked more like a polished receiver mm-hmm. than he had at any point last year. Um, I don't know if that's fair or not, but there were just some times where he was getting open easily where it looked like he was starting to get it as a receiver. And if 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 Shark is back to 2019 with an improvement, which he sort of looks, then all of a sudden that group looks a lot better. So – I'll say that with the caveat of it's it's really depending on those two guys taking steps, mm-hmm. but it feels like they're doing that. It does, and Chenault especially, I think, looks the part. Put on 10 pounds of muscle, is separating so much easier. And we always talk about him as, as the playmaker, the offensive weapon. He has shown that he has the ability to be the receiver guy. Remember, Not an offensive weapon, a receiver. If he doesn't get hurt in 19, he was a top 10 pick. Right. I yeah. mean, he was considered one of the top 10 players going into his junior season. And then he had got injured and had some trouble at Colorado. Um, he, you know, he might have been a top five pick. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's got that kind of potential. He does. I'm going to go cornerbacks, mainly because of Shaquille Griffin and how much he has amplified uh, that unit and the, the leadership he brings, the intensity he brings. This is just a, a unit that was making so many plays, especially during minicamp, really tight coverage, pass breakups everywhere. And, and guys like, yes, you talk about Shaquille Griffin, but you also talk about Trey Herndon and Sidney Jones, who I think needed that guy in the locker room and in their meeting room like Shaquille Griffin to kind of amplify everyone because now everyone is making more plays. And I don't know if you can put that weight on Sidney Jones' shoulders, but now that he doesn't have to worry about that, they're all playing better. Well, it, it's supposed to be, and you know, I don't say this to add undue pressure to the position, but if you look at you know, talent acquisition in the NFL is about equity spent. Well, they spent top 10 pick in C.J. Henderson. Biggest free agent money. I, if he wasn't the biggest free agent contract, he was in the top two on Shaquille Griffin uh, for this team. I'm not saying he was sure. the biggest. But, and then you drafted essentially a first-round pick with Tyson Campbell. Uh, and you've got Sidney Jones, who at one point, I think he was a second-round pick. He was. Uh, coming out. And he played pretty well before he got hurt last year. But for this team, they now have within the last, what, 16 months, dating back to the 2020 draft, 
have spent a top 10 equity, almost first round equity, and big free agent equity on their top three corners. Yeah. It's supposed to be one of the top two or three positions on the team now based on that. And it's a position, if, if you do that on the offensive line, maybe you expect it to be good the following year out because sometimes that takes continuity. Defensive backfield, spend that kind of equity, you expect it to be good right now. I expect him to give enough coverage um, that Caleb on Chason and Josh Allen have enough time to impact the quarterback. And, you know, it, I, I can't add a lot. I mean, you guys have covered the numbers. But if you go back and look at the Jalen Ramsey trade, there are five, you know, premium positions. Quarterback, left tackle, wide receivers become one, pass rusher, and corner. Well, they came away with a, a corner, right? Uh, a pass rusher, a quarterback, and then Travis Etienne's a running back, but maybe he's a receiver too. So, I mean, they came away with premium positions the last two years from the Jalen Ramsey trade. And in particular, the 2020 draft with C.J. Henderson and Caleb on chase on. If, if Henderson's healthy, and sounds like he's going to be, you have the potential for those two players to really take their game to another level this year. And with the addition of all the other names that John went through, you know, I expect Josh Allen to be back. So that group in the in the secondary, forget forget interceptions and, and pass breakups and things like that. If their coverage is tight enough that Calevon and Josh have an, an extra second mm-hmm. to make a move and bat a ball or get around a tackle, you'll see a dramatic increase. You know, you just have to turn the, the wrench two millimeters to make something tighter, right? That's it. Just massive change from a minor turn of the screw. And if you get those guys playing well, you could see massive change. Yeah, I think the thing that's hard to emphasize in mini camp because there's no pads, it's sort of hard to talk overall defense because yeah. a guy like Miles Jack in, in a mini camp doesn't really get noticed that much because he's a middle right? linebacker. He's not hitting anybody. When Urban came in and has talked all off season about the players still here, the reality is for this defense and the the three keys to me are Josh Allen, Miles Jack, and not C.J. Henderson. These are top five, top ten level players. C.J. Henderson, if you go in the top ten as a cornerback, you're supposed to be locked down. It's only four spots below Jalen. So, I mean, this is premium position for that position. Josh Allen, when he was drafted, may have been the best player in the draft. Some thought he slipped. He's elite. Miles Jack is elite. One player on each level of the defense. That's why when they look at this roster, they think, hey, you know, this is not that far away. We had some no. pieces around it. They can be good defensively if they maximize those guys. Well, and, and then just, just to tag on to that, there are a couple of guys. I mentioned Devon Hamilton, right, who played well last year before he got hurt. He was really on the rise. Uh, Leon Jacobs is moving inside in this 3-4 scheme. You know, he's going to play a different position than he played before. Oh, you know, I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and he looks fantastic and really likes what they're asking him to do. You've got some players around here that people aren't thinking about. They're not high on the radar, um, but guys who in the right scheme with Joe Cullen and what Coach Meyer is asking them could come back playing next to Miles Jack, playing next to Josh Allen, and and really impact it. The defense isn't as far off if those guys are really playing well. Mm-hmm. Not agree more. Yeah. Lots of potential going on here. You bet. All right. Get out of here. It's summer break. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into Jaguars Reporters Podcast. Subscribe, like, and we'll be back in about a month or so. Yeah, or so. Six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
12 5. It's summer. Yeah. We'll See be ya. back.